Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Um, we've got just an amazing hour ahead. Um, the uh, the author of the new book, and I think it just came out in um, in August, Protege Power, is here joining us, uh, Lori Creever. And uh, but first, uh, my I've got the non dead tree edition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Better, works better on airplanes. I, uh, I I much prefer reading a physical book. But when I was in the middle of reading, um, what was it called? The Power Broker. Robert Caro's book about um, about Robert Moses uh, in New York City. It's a book about this thick, and it was not electronic. Still isn't, I found, as about six weeks ago, not electronic. It was this massive book. So I ended up, ended up, and I was traveling a lot, so I ended up hacking it up in chunks to take with me on the plane, and it hurt me. Um, so now the uh, digital edition is great for travel, which is seeming to start up again. So hi, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm Dan Ayala. I'm the uh, I'm a managing partner of a company called Socratic that does uh, strategic security and privacy consulting, virtual CISO and chief privacy officer services. Uh, but uh, when I'm not doing that, uh, people and mentoring and growth and career in the information security, privacy, risk, governance, compliance, and ethics space is, is where I spend my time. And that's how MentorCore came to be um, about a year and a half ago. Uh, my partner, Lisa Beth and Tini Walker and I uh, started this endeavor and we've had an amazing panel of people come through this Zoom screen over the past 18 months and today is no different. But before we get to Lori, uh, hi, Lisa. Welcome. How's it going? Hi. Hello. It's good to be here. This is one of my favorite parts of Wednesdays. Um, and I, um, I I can't uh, reiterate enough uh, like how excited I get about um, MentorCore and working with Dan on these topics that are both near and dear to our hearts. Um, and one of the things that we really like to do is talk about the how how people show up, how they interact, how you grow and learn and develop. And so I am so excited to have Lori here, not only to talk about her book, but to talk about life, right? And how you navigate um, mentoring relationships, how even how you write a book, right? Like, so we, we, we're gonna have a great broad ranging discussion. I put something in the chat, letting people know, like, you can always ask your questions. We love it when you ask questions or put your thoughts into the chat, because then we can, you know, really engage with the guests that we have. So um, my background is I run Lumen Worldwide Endeavors, and I'm a co-founder of MentorCore. And Lumen is a compliance, ethics, and corporate governance consulting firm where we help companies put values into action. Um, but today, I just get to be here with all of you. And especially with Lori. Lori, welcome to MentorCore. Tell us a little bit about you. It is a pleasure to be here for some reason. And this is dating myself, but just seeing the two of you and your great rapport, I felt like, gosh, this is like, I'm on the Sunny and Cher show. Or, you know, I was like thinking of great pairings that had their own show. I'm Cher, like right? Fun guest. <laughs> oh, oh no, oh no. You don't have the hair, buddy. 
And if you can turn back time, <laughs> you know, we just came out of Halloween. So we don't know, maybe you have gone to Halloween costume parties this is as, true. as Cher, you know, and I'm just, I was we got Donnie and Marie. Life. Like, I mean, <laughs> Dan and I practically grew up together. So I guess that kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, let's see. So you asked me a question too. I just share about myself. Well, I grew up on a dirt road in Minnesota. I'm a native Minnesotan, but I always dreamed of living in New York City. So after I got done at University of Minnesota in speech and theater, I spent my 20s in New York City, uh, fiercely pursuing an acting career. Spoiler alert, I am not a famous television or movie star. Just get that out of the way, okay? Yes. Um, yet. <laughs> but I had very interesting adventures out there for sure. I worked in the music industry and just, yeah, a lot of interesting adventures, but then it was time to calm down a little bit. So I came back to Minnesota in my early thirties and spent 20 years in international banking and it's a logical it. step from acting. I know. Loved it. It, I mean, it was, uh, was uh, a pivot of all pivots and we can talk about how that happened because there was a mentor involved. Uh, but in banking, I was not hired as a banker. I was hired to do first communications, and then it really evolved into what we called employee engagement programs. So being a culture builder within the workplace and working with managers who come up with bright ideas like, hey, how come we're not involved with micro lending, which is a global movement to eradicate poverty? Someone won a Nobel Peace Prize on this. We're a bank. We should get in this. So oh, how think, design it. How can we engage employees? How can we make this positive work culture, bring in some philanthropy? And one of the things I did, I ran a mentor program and I worked with hundreds of people over about a dozen years, including cross-culturally and just sort of like a detective. I just, you know, surveyed, observed, talked, listened, cracked the code on like, gosh, what is going on here where these pairs, many of them really create a big difference in someone's careers. And other pairs, it's a medium amount of advancement. So the book is about just my distillation of if you do these things, it's like a recipe for cookies. It's going to come out of the oven like Mwah, so good. Career <laughs> Chef's kiss. You know, <laughs> like, wow. And importantly, your mentor, and commonly a mentor is doing this as a volunteer, your mentor is just going to be thrilled. They're going to be satisfied. They're going to be willing to stay in your life and mentor others. So, so that's what that's about. So I, I love it. It's a great background in history. And I will say, like, we are excited to bring different voices to these communities because um, compliance, ethics, risk, all of these guardian roles are desperately in need of mentoring um, both people to step up to the plate and be a mentor as well as um, understanding how to work so that you actually do get things out of these relationships and and and, and so I'm glad that we're having this discussion um, there have been a lot of struggles with um, bringing in particularly in information security bringing women and underrepresented um, groups into information security. There's been a lot of uh, challenge around burnout uh, in all of these communities, etc. So, you know, part of this, I think, is resilience. 
having mentoring relationships cultivates resilience because you know where to go. Yeah. So how do you know if you're ready for a mentoring relationship? I would say if you are in a desirable spot where you have a good immediate manager, meaning that immediate manager takes a lot of care and interest in your development and in your career, and they're thoughtful about giving you some feedback and coaching and helping you to find some stretch assignments. If you're in that scenario and you really feel like you're growing a lot and moving forward, maybe also having a mentor isn't so urgent. However, if you feel like you've gotten pretty much, maybe it's over a period of four to seven years, you know, like I think I've gotten the richness of what this manager has to offer me. Then in that scenario, I would say you're ready, right? And you should approach your manager and tell them you have been an amazing guide and coach for me. I think you're a gifted mentor, but I feel like I'm now ready for some other voice, another influence. And would you help me to identify a mentor or what are your thoughts? So that would be one tactic. The other scenario, I know it's the elephant in the room. I can feel it. Yup, yup, it's that one, it's that one. Is when your immediate supervisor is dreadful. And so you are looking quietly, low key, for a skilled someone to help mentor you out of your dreaded scenario that you need to get out from under. So those are two things that come to mind when you would look for and be ready for a mentor. But, you know, on the topic of readiness, something I make a very big deal about in the book is your readiness, no matter the scenario in your career, has to emanate from your genuine willingness to be coached. Easier said than done. I say this as like a continuously reforming know-it-all easier said than done. Are you willing to be coached? Are you willing to have a new idea? Maybe one that seems very unusual. Like what? Are you willing to grant some space to some new ideas out of the box thinking and give it a try? That's what your mentor is going to be interested in creating that effect in your world, maybe rocking your world a little bit, but um, new ideas. One of the, one of the things that, that I guess one of the first exposures people have to mentoring programs is within a formal corporate construct, meaning we have a formal mental program. We're going to pair you with somebody, um, which I, many people I talk to leads them to think about, you know, the, 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 the business nature of it, the company nature of it. But in that second scenario you just mentioned, where let's say your manager is dreadful, there's this fear of going around or this feeling like of, of that you're going around your manager when going to pursue uh, a mentor as a potential protege. What advice do you have for people to get either get beyond that or ways to look at that as, you know, at, for what it is rather than you know, the perception of disloyalty or the perception of going around your man or your boss's back? Well, this is the perfect audience for what I'm about to say. You want to, from the beginning, whether it's a formal program that you're in, or you acquire someone who's willing informally 
to mentor you. You want to invoke right at the beginning confidentiality and just create an agreement around keep the conversations in confidence. And certainly you will do that as well because very commonly you describe something that's harrowing and very difficult at work that you need some help. And your mentor is going to say, you know what? I had something like that when I was new in my career or when I changed departments or, and so similarly, you want to hold dear the confidences with anything that your mentor is going to share with you. So it goes both ways. Got it. That's important. Very important. Yeah. So um, let's take this a little bit of a different direction. Um, what do you think the characteristics of the best mentors are? What do they do? What like? How do you look if you're a great mentor, right? Like, how, does 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 that manifest itself in, in you know any particular ways so that you can know if you see somebody who's going to be good at this? Mm-hmm. I would say it's a dual characteristic of that mentor sees how great you are, genuinely sees your greatness. And that's the foundation. That's the cake, right? The duality here is that out of that respect and affinity for you and your greatness, they're very direct. They're very bold. They're really willing to be honest with you. Like, hey, honestly, are you hearing what I'm saying? That didn't work in that meeting. You need to knock that off. I mean, I had somebody at one point that was being mentored, you know, because I was brokering deals between mentors and mentees. So I would gather these stories. And at one point, this mentee, he was behaving. He was a new manager. He was behaving in such a profoundly knuckleheaded fashion that the mentor just was like struggling to get through to him, right? Just in their one-on-one because she was watching what he was doing. And finally, she said, you know what? Of the two people who are in this room right now, only one of us is actually on the side of your career, and it's not you. Mm, that's and a that big one. Got his attention. He was like, oh, right? So that kind of clarity and willingness to be bold with you, I feel that's important. But on that foundation of because they see and they're confident in your greatness, your education, your intellect your ability, right? That's what they want to see be helped and expanded. So as a mentor, how do you get the license or the credibility to land not only the you're so awesome and I'm your cheerleader stuff, mm-hmm. but also the your your worldview is being um, obscured by your belt buckle, you know, pull your pull your head out of where you know you need to because you are behaving in ways that are not beneficial to your career how do you how do you get that credibility and that license to land the tough messages along with the things that everybody likes to hear about how awesome they are yeah I think you know perhaps Lisa Beth this is a a quality for each one of us to aspire to and I would characterize it by saying it's a calm confidence think about someone just 
in a space of calm confidence, telling you the truth, you're more likely to be able to receive it. I certainly don't encourage, I don't think a lot of good things come out of yelling or being combative. But if you can foster a space and really emanate from a calm confidence, the confidence is earned. The calm, that's something each one of us has to work on. Spending more time in nature, <laughs> taking bike rides, <laughs> meditating, doing yoga. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, I, maybe the, a, a word too that comes to mind is sage, right? That's sort of like an old term, but um, someone could be a sage who's a teenager. Honestly, I mean, many of us get mentored by a niece, nephew, son, daughter on digital media. Um, though, I mean, just it's just remarkable how someone who's a digital native can have so much innate comfort and savvy around these tools. So yeah, it doesn't need to be an age thing, but yeah. Yeah, that was gonna be my next yeah. question. Like, do you, do you have to be Methuselah to, <laughs> to be a mentor, to have the, uh, you know, <laughs> the gravitas um, needed to be Frank? Yeah, I- Only I if your name actually that. is Frank. <laughs> I'm going to that. change my name to Methuselah actually. <laughs> You are surfacing this because I'm going to imagine that we've got a lot of people in our session right now that are doing some reflecting who are not maybe officially a manager, but now that we're discussing this, the qualities of mentoring and being trusted, if you have people that are continuously coming to you for your advice or asking you to weigh in on things, we could say you're an informal leader. Like you, you are a leader. You are a point of emanation. Or my friend, uh, entrepreneur Vikas Narula talks about someone who's a- He's been a guest. Oh my God. So apparently we're thinking brilliant. the same thing because I was about to bring up that idea, Vikas's idea of influence. Yeah. 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 That hub that's like all these spokes are coming out because everybody's always coming to you. Like they trust you. You have integrity. You're not just showboating or trying to advance yourself. No, you're just eh, tell it like it is. You're helpful. You're like, don't do that, or let's try this, or hey, let me know how it goes. You know, let's work together. Yeah. So to that degree, each one of us at any time is informally mentoring and influencing others, likely, which is good. Well, and for anybody who I just put Vikas's session in the uh, chat because. You know, he talks about the power of connection and bridging the divide, and he did a little uh, kind of show and tell on 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 how he thinks about influence and how he, you can show it within organizations. But mm -hmm. you're right; like mentoring doesn't have to be formal. Yeah. A lot of times, it can be very, very informal. Yeah, um, most of mine have been informal, and they've <laughs> just been so powerful, so positive influence. Wow. One of the challenges is, you know, one of the one of the biggest challenges is that people look within their within the people they know, which is a good place to start for mentoring. But a terrible biggest, place to end. Well, right. Terrible place to end. But some of the it, the best introspection comes from people who are well outside of that of that first ring, or that, or even outside your field, people who don't know you. So one of the, you know, one of the. Um, 
bigger questions I have is, you know, there's somebody who you know is influential, who you know has insight and has this kind of sage quality. As as a potential you know, protege for them or as a, as a mentee, how do you get someone else interested in you and your success if they may not know you directly or may not have that kind of existing connection because that will give the better value of out truly outside perspective? How do you bring them into, into, your, into your world? Well, I think you're hinting at, and I'm going to totally agree with you that it commonly is better to have someone as a mentor that doesn't intimately know you, right? They're just enough of that concentric ring out to have perspective, give you that outside viewpoint, right? That you wouldn't ordinarily have access to. Right. And how you might go about selling them on taking an interest in your career success I think would be to prepare what many of us know as an elevator pitch, but you wanna do the version of an elevator pitch that attracts their interest. For example, one time someone saw me do a presentation, I didn't know them, but they sent me an email after that was elevator pitch slash, will you be my mentor, here's why, right? So it was like, (laughs) You know, two sentences about their role and what they did. And they were five years into being a manager. And one thing they really wanted to work on was public speaking and being able to facilitate discussions. And then they commented in a very kind way, not over the top, but I really got a lot out of what what you did with your presentation. And I think, gosh, those are exactly the types of skills that I would like to cultivate. I'm wondering, would you consider mentoring me on those skills? And then I could see also the person's job title and the department that they worked in. And, you know, it was very attractive for me, including I thought, oh, I don't really know anybody from that department and I don't really know what they do. So a benefit to me in establishing this relationship will be I'm for sure going to learn a lot about her world, what she does. So I said, yes, I said yes immediately. Right. I mean, it was a sales pitch, but like very authentic and it was good. That's great. Yeah. I think that it, yeah, you, the elevator pitch is something we have to work on. And in, in so many things, we, uh, as part of the, the compliance career connection, we work with, with, um, with people looking for jobs on how to pitch themselves as, uh, as, as, as the next best candidate for them, uh, you know, for the person that's, that's hiring, yeah. um, you meet somebody on the street, you meet your net, your new CEO at a new job. How do you introduce yourself? These are all great reasons to have a quick way to introduce yourself. That's dependent upon the situation. Great insight. I I want to give you another option as well for those out there that are shy, like super shy. Our introverts. We love our introverts. Mm -hmm. Love them. Love them. Actually, nobody's going to believe this. I'm a big old eye on Myers-Briggs. Yes, Mm. it's true. I really have cultivated over the years, you know, sought out books and experiences and, you know, just to get me more into the E for extrovert space. In any case, getting back to finding a mentor. Folks, if you don't mind, I was about to say, please don't tell 
buddy that you got this from me, but it's too late because my name's on the screen. So I'm trying to give myself away. Um, we can <laughs> we'll, just, we'll have you go dark for just a moment. <laughs> Pretend like you don't know me. You don't see me. Um, take a little, take a little bit from the blind dating file. Okay. So let's say you're at a big function and wow, you see someone that's of interest to you, but you don't know them. And you're like, this might be, dare I say, creepy. If I just go over and like, hey, you know, what are you doing here? What? Okay, so we can just take that and apply it to mentoring. This is how I got one of my mentors. I thought he doesn't know me. I might freak him out. He might think I'm a stalker if I just write him like out of the blue but I realized we had somebody in common, mm. someone who knew me and knew I was a good worker, you know, and very earnest and knew the mentor candidate. So I approached her and I said, here's my interest. Here's what I see in his career that I think could be very beneficial to my growth. What do you think? Would this be a good mentor mentee match? And she thought about it and she said, Yes, I think it would be. And I said, would you do me the favor of approaching him and just ask him, would he be willing just to meet with me? Can I just come to his office for 30 minutes? You know, just so you could have somebody be the go-between right. and help to broker the deal. That was such a secure way to meet this person. And he's a wonderful mentor. And still, it also adds retired. credibility. It also adds credibility to you as a, as a, as a mentee. Right. wanting to approach the, the it's the vouch method that it's think i didn't even think about that but yes let's call that the vouch method and think Trademark, about it. 2021 it's time, it's time <laughs> honored it works so well it, it's less scary it takes out any creepy fact and it just it makes it like very straightforward simple and just ask for a meeting it doesn't mean they have to take you on for the next year but just say would you meet with me can i tell you what i would like to work on i think you could help me so to develop the best elevator pitch to try to find a mentor, what are the key components? Like, what do you put in there other than I want something from you? I think you need to put something in there. This is now we're going to wear our business hat that expresses succinctly why it is you are a good investment. Mm -hmm. someone who is a mentor who is generously willingly like yes i would like to do knowledge transfer and help other people coming up the ranks right they're looking to make wise good investments and make sure that their time is well used something else that i recommend this is a bit of sophisticated tool that's how we are at mentor car is that you could even put in your pitch, if for example, it's an email or verbally as well. And guess what? If you're willing to mentor me, I'm going to make it very simple for you. I will set up the meetings. I will send you in advance of each meeting, a simple discussion agenda so that you know where I'm at and you know what I'd like to talk with you about this month. And if you do that, and it's really just a breeze for someone to mentor you, sounds pretty good. So that could be part of your pitch as well. Although what you just described is often is often used as the baseline requirements for a mentee-mentor relationship, that, that, that it is on the mentee yeah. to drive the relationship, to drive the agenda, 
not necessarily always on the men, not necessarily on the mentor to do so. Um, can you talk a little bit about that in perspective and and how that's really playing out? Absolutely. And certainly this modality, we're talking about as adults in a career mentoring situation. Mm-hmm. If you are someone who is mentoring in a, a youth program through church or through a high school, the, the setup of that relationship might be different might be Are you, you saying a 13 year old won't be proactive yeah it might be you that's really <laughs> driving it or you know sometimes we're asked to mentor someone maybe a high school student that aspires to go to college and no one else yet in their family has gone to college and so mm-hmm. it can be such a terrific opportunity and experience right. to help them and yeah so you might be do being the driver but in the grown-up world because mostly the people that we are drawn to, to be a mentor are people who are successful. That means they're also busy. busy. So just as an ingredient that I've observed is very useful is what you said, Daniel, it's that the mentee or protege drives the process. And I love that you said, and this is something that isn't a lot of these mentoring relationship models because that shows me the word is getting out when i discovered this no nobody knew that i mean it was a revelation it was like oh i I, i'd like to think it was more out there it's something i talk about it's something lisa beth talks about and others but i don't know that it's fully out there i don't think it's fully out there i (laughs) I gotta say optimism though yes appreciate (laughs) the optimism let's have a little bit of 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 a touch base on kind of what happens i hear so many people so many people say oh i need a mentor i need a mentor like why does no one mentor me um but then when it comes time for them to have a mentor they expect that the mentor is just going to run and take care of them and like you're choosing a mentor because you think that they are successful doing well at something that maybe you are um feeling challenges in etc like the mentor doesn't need to have the mentor is not your mom the mentor is not your caretaker <laughs> like we got to grow up and not be you know um childlike about this so let's talk for just a second about um responsibility mm-hmm. for the protege um you you've said like right you should come prepared you should set up the meeting and come prepared mm-hmm. what does that preparation look like and what what like if you were to say like here's you know, the, the, the skies have parted, the sun is like, there's a beam of sunlight coming down. This is what perfect would look like when it comes to, to being a protege. What are those characteristics? Well, let's say we'll make up a scenario where someone has just gotten their performance review and then they're having a kickoff meeting with their mentor. So during that meeting, they disclose, hey, you know, these are the things that are going really well in my job and getting good, nice kudos. And then uh, because I am a new manager and I'm running meetings, something that's in my development plan for this year is just to work on, I'm not even sure what this means, but listening, just being a deep listener. And so that when I'm at meetings, instead of just running meetings, I'm more facilitating. 
So that's something I want to work on. Okay, so you chit chat, chit chat, chit chat with your mentor about an hour. And at the end of that hour, based on what you said you would like to work on and you are ready to work on, your mentor says, hey, write this down. There's a TED talk, fill in the blank. I want you to look at that. Also, I just thought about an excellent book I read on that topic, do that. And then maybe gives you a third thing, right? Sherry gives you a third thing. So you write those things down. I used to write those things on a sticky note. And you know what? Because I had to stick it up where I would see it now since I was meeting once a month with my mentor. So I would be looking at it all the time through that month. And then your job as the mentee is to do those things that you agreed to. Then a few days before your next meeting, pop open that meeting occurrence on your electronic calendars. And you say, looking forward to seeing you Tuesday at 9.30, I'll be in your office. And just to remind you, here are the three things that you recommended that I do. And I did each one of them. And I'm going to tell you what I got out of it. Also, my manager asked, would I be interested in serving on an XYZ committee and representing our company? And I told my manager I would think about it. So let's talk that through. Okay, great. See you Tuesday at 9.30. Boom. Wow. That's perfection because your mentor, even if they only look at it five minutes before you walk in their door or get on the Zoom call, they see with precision, ah, this is where my protege is at, where the protege seeks my insights, reflections. Good. They did what I recommended. You know, that gives your mentor like that good feeling of, wow, I'm going to give this person more assignments because they're good to go. They're going to do the assignments. Demonstrates commitment to the relationship too. I'm the recipient as a a mentee. I'm the recipient of it. I'm the learner. I'm the, the student. And therefore I need to be doing the work to study. Professor doesn't need to study the material. Well, they do in the preparation for the class, but they're generally more expert in the topic. Yeah, generally they are. Or, you know, you might, uh, I had mentor mentee pairs that sometimes they would find a book that they both were interested in mm-hmm. and had never read. They go, let's both read that book and then let's talk about it next month. Sounds good. You know, I mean, it's sort of fair game, whatever is of interest to the two of you. But the point is, you build those simple agreements. And then you execute on that as the mentee, and then you demonstrate that, and then just take on, and I'm specific, being specific about maybe it's just three things, one, two, or three things. Don't offer to do 12 things. You still have a full-time job. (laughs) But just do a couple. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you talked a little bit about how the mentor has assignments. Talk about what that looks like and kind of what characteristics are, are, are there in these assignments. Like, um, does it come from a place of knowledge? Does it come from just their experiences? Are there good resources available on different topics? What, what, what would you say about that? Well, I would say that the sky is the limit. I mean, especially since we're all so connected to the internet. And sometimes companies have acquired, you know, licensing for a library of TED Talks, for example. And most people that we're working with, they do have their treasured books, a book they read that changed their life as far as their career is concerned. So I think there's all sorts of things. If you're looking for more 
topic areas or areas to draw from, you could always consult with an HR person, someone in organizational development, organizational leadership, or something else that I recommend if you're looking for something to do is if your company or firm has got, let's say, a, a mission statement or some type of statement of this is what we stand for, and maybe it's five or six core principles, you could with your mentor say, let's take this on, let's self rank, how am I doing on these core principles? And then maybe break, break them down as to like, what actions could I take so that I'm more in line with that, right? Of course, I'm making an assumption that they're very positive and virtuous and they're ones that you agree with, which generally they are. <laughs> uh, but I feel like you could never go wrong. And this is where like my brand alignment brain comes in. I feel like you could never go wrong by strengthening things that are what your firm or company or university or organization stands for. Also raising this in your consciousness, right? Like diversity, inclusion, fostering belongingness in the workplace. Holy cow, if that is in writing for your company and it is in a drawer collecting dust, that might be something to bring to your mentor and say, I don't even know what these words mean. And I think if I want to advance here, I think I need to be emblematic of what these words mean and stand for it. So let's figure out some, some learning objectives for me so I can get better at it. Terrific. So let's talk a little bit about why you wrote the book. I know that this was a process, but what decisions did you make along the way? Why did you decide to do the book? Why did you decide it now? Well, I did not know for a long time why I decided to write the book. I just had people telling me, you should write a book. You have so many great stories. You seem to have really figured this out and more people should, should know about this. But at some point along the way, I encountered an adage, perhaps you've heard before, which is we teach what we need to learn. Mm. And I said earlier, I feel like I'm in a lifelong recovery of being a know-it-all. Might be an affliction. People in this community are familiar with. <laughs> I was very book smart growing up, valedictorian in my class, outstanding girl to graduate, most likely to succeed, all of that. And I really think I suffered from just like this big ego blind spot throughout my 20s. And then in my early 30s, when I relocated back to Minnesota, I was going through a divorce. I had an infant son, meaning infant, like five-month-old son. I mean, my whole life was just in a 180 completely. And man, did I get humble. When I got that opportunity to get started in an excellent full-time job for a great company with good values and principles, I set about making myself the most coachable person imaginable because I had such a high necessity level, if you will, to keep the job and expand what I was doing. 
And it really just became part of my modus operandi. And I think that's so cool, maybe serendipitous, that I landed in this employee engagement role, along with communications and sponsorships, where I got to help others retrain their brain to be more coachable. You don't have to take every piece of advice. Of course, I'm not saying that, but at least give it some space to breathe and consider it. Give it a whack. Give it a try because that person, they might be seeing something in you that you don't quite yet see in yourself. But if you know they're giving this in a spirit of helping you, why wouldn't you give it a try? So I think that maybe is like sort of this underlying piece of how I had that purpose and doing the book and finishing it that it's kind of cool. I really didn't, I wasn't conscious of that at the beginning, but there we are. I say the thing you just mentioned though, you just mentioned about, you know, taking this advice and giving it a try. One of the things that I know that people struggle with in these relation in, in these relationships, especially early on as you're building the relationship is how to appropriately push back yeah. with a mentor, with somebody who you're building this relationship. You don't think this is good advice or you think this is <laughs> or that's the worst advice you've ever heard. It could be the you're brother like, oh, of that horrible manager you do? have <laughs> um, with equally bad skills. Um, I have chosen poorly. Um, but the, the is how do you start to go into those critical, well, become critical conversations uh, with someone who at the same time, let's assume that they're not horrible. It's just a, an idea that you don't want to necessarily pursue. How do you broach that in a way that maintains the forward progress of the relationship Um especially you know, if you're younger in your career, you're newer into a field and you don't have, you know, quite the feet planted in the ground in a way that, that, you know, that you're comfortable going, no, in a polite way, of course. That's, I mean, <laughs> you said it. I find there are just unlimited use for skills of diplomacy. And and what need I, for more people with skills of diplomacy. <laughs> Bring on the diplomats. <laughs> we're all human creatures and people do get their feelings hurt. Yeah. Even the CEO or the division head, for sure. I think if you were being offered a piece of advice that to your reasoning is not something that you would do, but you don't want to insult the person, is just to say, in the moment, but again, this takes practice. It's like a new habit to form. Hey, that's an, that's an interesting idea. Um, I'm going to think on that. Thank you. And then and the then next time when you come back together and they say, well, what did you, were you able to take to go through this? Yeah. And, and then I would say, then you use your frontal lobes and you say, you know, I played this out in my mind, and this is what I considered would likely be the consequences. Mm -hmm. And I came up with this other idea, and that's what I did, or that's what I'm thinking of doing. Because sometimes we get pretty fixed on something, mm -hmm. like a kid. But, you know, if a kid grabs, like a toddler grabs a toy of another child, and the child's upset, you're like, I need to return this toy to the original toddler who's technically the owner. 
probably the only way you're going to be successful with that is if you find a toy that belongs to toddler number two and then swap it out, right? So that you're substituting an acceptable new thing for that recipient, that toy grabber. Managers love new shiny things. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I have never, I mean, I worked with hundreds of people and people pretty were pretty honest with me. I've never had that where the person really felt like, whoa, that is very screwball advice. I would never do that. But I think it's good to be, it is good to be diplomatic because it is bound to happen. I think more what I've experienced a ton is having a team or running a brainstorming session. And in that room come up ideas that would never be something that you would implement in the real world. And so similarly, I've trained myself to say, hey, that's an interesting idea. Let's keep that idea on the table. What are some other ideas? But I don't know that, I mean, you know, I don't know that you'd say that to your mentor. What are some other ideas that you have? Well, I'll give you the one, the real world case that brought this up into Mm -hmm. my mind was um, someone approached me and we're telling, we're counting the conversation with their mentor. And the mentor who was farther along in their career had the recommendation was, we'll make an ultimatum. To get your way, you make an ultimatum. Person was wise enough to know, but now was wise enough to know not that that doesn't work. 99.9% of the time doesn't work. But especially when you're junior in your career, you just don't have the ability to go, I'm going to do this or else. All right, have fun. Um, and, and it became yep. a point of contention when that, when the mentor came back later and said, well, do, you know, how did the, how did it go? How did the conversation <laughs> go? Well, I made the decision not to do it. Why? That's the only way forward in this, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, well, I think, I think to your point, Dan, like, right, a good mentor isn't going to tell you how to do something. They're going to talk about the, 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 the goals that you have and then get your buy-in as a protege on, on what you think is going to work for you because, right, if you have a different personality, right, what worked for your mentor might not work for you. Absolutely. Different culture, different gender. Different level in your career, you know, different maturity level in, your in your career. career. It's all, it, we're different, all different people in different approaches. Mm-hmm. Well, I go back to, I think it would be to say, interesting idea. I need to think about that. Hopefully your mentor would grant you that, right? I mean, it is your career. Yeah. And then to be able to come back and respectfully say, I have thought this through. These would be the consequences for me. However, I can totally see, I mean, now that you gave me this idea that it would work mm-hmm. in your role and you know, thank that's you very that. diplomatic, right? But oh, I mean, it is. you're uh, yeah. bringing up a good point. And I was sharing with Daniel before we jumped, jumped on the, our broadcast today that I, I actually originally had a chapter in my book, protege power. That was a chapter for the mentor covering stuff like this. Then we pulled Available it out now at booksellers everywhere. So that the, yeah. So the book wouldn't be so long. And so I need to finish that. It's going to be really a micro book. But definitely my advice, if you are a mentor, your job is not to render a different version of you. Your job is Everyone to wants render. Everyone mini me. I, I, actually, I am like, you know, creating some little mini me's right. and we're gonna assimilate everyone into the Borg. <laughs> the planet. 
right? Like you can't actually escape the Borg. You can't escape <laughs> the Borg. Um, no, it's to make it the best version of that person. So without question, <laughs> what we're surfacing here is a fact and a truth that there is an art and a science to being a good mentor. I'm so mm -hmm. glad that we're talking about this. No, yeah, you as a mentee, don't, don't follow through on advice that just does not line up with your integrity and your own wisdom. Don't. Yeah, and you but, hit on a few a few points, which lead me to the thing. But it'll end up being the last question before we end up the end the hour out. Um, but it is uh, it's I guess food. We talked a lot about being a good protege and understanding the, that role. Any advice you'd give to mentors as they're approached by people that have I read think, your book and that want to become new proteges to them? Right. No, I think it is entirely fine for the mentor to set some simple expectations and some of them we've discussed right now to say to that prospective mentee well i would be willing to take this on i would expect that you would set up the meetings you know you would calendarize our coming together and i really want to make sure that you're open to trying some things and you know, being approaching our discussions with an open mind. And then anything else that you might require. I mean, I had somebody that mentored me who was, for me at the time, just the right amount of seniority, right? Mm -hmm. Just the right amount. And because he did have some seniority, you know, once or twice during our 12 months, I would show up and he forgot to tell me he was traveling. <laughs> Uh, we were in the same city so that was helpful um so you know that was on me to just roll with it you know so i think that can be part of it too for the mentor to to just uh be clear that your obligations are whatever's going on gosh what if you were building a house this year or planning a wedding or one of your grown children is getting married or you know all of those things could factor in but maybe a good way to approach it especially if you are feeling sort of tender footed here is just ask for a 30 minute icebreaker meeting, whether it's on zoom, or if you have the luxury of being able to sit down in person and just chat through. Sometimes I've heard this referred to as a chemistry check. Oh, so you okay. just like, do we click? Mm -hmm. Can we come to some simple agreements on how this arrangement is going to work? And it's okay if you can't, no harm done. It just was 30 minutes out of each of your lives. So I think that's probably a realistic point of view also to go in to something like this, especially, I mean, what I'm characterizing is you're setting up your own match versus if you have access to a program, you might have access to someone like what I used to do, which is really similar to a concierge. Like I had a concierge type viewpoint of brokering these matches and really uncovering like who would be the dream mentor for this person so and i concierge did a lot on of... tuesday three seats first base side <laughs> concierge or <laughs> not quite exactly that but you know i had done a lot of i was sort of ice breaking on their behalves ah, in my own okay. mind because i knew them right so and they would come back and say whoa how did you know we were just going to get along so well? Like we both like the same color tire. I mean, just random things would come up that made it seem to them, gosh, this really is a good fit. So you're the mentor, Yenta. 
I was the mentor Yenta, but I wouldn't let that prohibit you from pursuing a mentor. Absolutely not. And it's so worthwhile. Honestly, I want every one of you that's on this call to just pause and think sometime today of an amazing piece of unexpected career advice that you got. That person in that moment, they were operating as your mentor, even if you didn't call it that. Think about what a positive effect that had because you can't see yourself, but people are looking at you all the time and they're seeing things that you can't see. So that's the virtue, I think, of having a mentor. And I would just Excellent add on advice. to that. Um, say thank you. If somebody gave you some advice that was life changing, let them know how it changed their your life, because that may encourage them to be a mentor to other people, right? Like, don't hold it in. Give thanks if somebody had a positive impact, because that that virtuous circle goes on. Yeah, that's wonderful. I wholeheartedly agree. Yes. Well, we always ask the classic mentor core question at the end of every um, session that we have, which is, what's the best advice you ever got from a mentor, Lori? Do not respond to an email if you still have any degree of strong emotion connected to the content of it. Do not even even if it requires three days for you to calm down decompress decompress Do very not... very sage advice <laughs> also have someone else read it if you're that jazzed about what's inside that email <laughs> or write the version not in the email app like the venti version and then write the real version <laughs> <laughs> It seemed like such a good idea at the time. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's wonderful <laughs> advice. Lori, thank you so much for being here. Um, the book again is Protege Power, uh, available on electronic or in Dead Tree Edition um, at a reseller near you. Um, Lori, thanks so much. I truly enjoyed the book and I truly enjoyed our discussion today. And um, I'm really grateful for you and uh, and having and having you be part of the MentorCore community. My pleasure. Absolutely. But thanks for everyone for joining us. Uh, and tune in to the next MentorCore session, which is uh, coming up soon. You'll see advertisements for it on LinkedIn and Twitter and all the places we show up.